Welcome to episode 101 of the Worldwide Chelsea podcast. It's your host, Matt, back again. And I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Wayne. How are you doing, my friend? I'm good, Matt. Thank you for inviting me back on. And I hope you're well. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, I'm pleasure to have you on once again. Um, obviously, it's nice to have someone uh, a bit more regular for the Chelsea women's show rather than just me rambling on for 20 minutes in a short form. Uh, so it's nice to have a little bit of debate with someone that has watched the watched as women's um, every week like me. Um, so, yeah, as you guys know, episode five now of the Chelsea women's show, we will be covering both Tottenham games because, you know, playing Tottenham twice in four days, it's what the women do. Uh, we'll cover along some other things, G uh, leaving the club, Sam Kerr becoming player of the year, among many other subjects. So make sure you cho- keep st- uh, listening to this wonderful podcast. But first of all, I will delight you all with a wonderful song uh, just to serenade Chelsea women at the moment. Double, double, double. Chelsea women have won the double. And the shit from the hive have won nothing again. Chelsea women have won the double. There you go. In context of that, obviously Chelsea did beat Tottenham in both the matches. So technically we did win the double over Spurs in the league, which is nice. It's been finally coming, I think, since the f- the second game that we played. That was supposed to be played 131 days ago. But it's been cancelled, I think, three times now, which is impressive to say the least. Um, you never thought you'd, this would happen before COVID, but here we go. We have it. Um, we'll go straight into the first game, which was played on the 24th of April on Sunday uh, at the Hive Stadium, which is uh, Tottenham women's uh, home ground. Uh, it's actually quite a nice background. I've been there before for a pre-season match. Uh, it's, it's a nice ground uh, to be at. Uh, it's quite hard uh, to play at as well. Um, but we will go down the stats breakdown. Obviously, Chelsea did win the match 3-1. Uh, despite being down to 10 men and capturing Berger being sent off within the first half, we'll definitely speak about that decision. Um, we'll get this will be the little analytics breakdown for you guys. So Chelsea had 44.5% possession compared to Tottenham's 55.5. Chelsea had 12 shots with six on target compared to Tottenham's nine and zero on target. Chelsea made 266 passes with a 59% accuracy compared to Tottenham's 329 with a 67% accuracy. Chelsea won 46% of their duels compared to Tottenham's 54. Um, Chelsea made 16 tackles, 10 clearances and 5 interceptions. And Tottenham made 10 tackles, 23 clearances and 13 interceptions. Um, Wayne, what did you think of the game overall? Obviously, it was a bit of a chaotic game with the sending off, but uh, it was a wonderful game, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a, it's an enjoyable game to watch. It was Tottenham didn't hold back. Because when you looked at the formation, you thought it would be very defensive formation and they're going to have just keep a clean sheet against us. Happy to take the draw. But they did attack us. Um, and the first goal, when we conceded the goal, um, was a great corner from Tottenham. No doubt about that. But it was a fortunate break when it came off the post. Uh, Sophie Ingle, fortunately, was stood there and it came off her shin and went in the back net. Nothing you can do about that. And then... We were struggling to break them down. Uh, we had opportunities, but the keeper, uh, I think, was it Becky Spencer, I think it was, but um, don't hold me to that. 
Um, but the keeper was we she was doing really well against us. Then White and like all she always does is at the moment she's pulling out the bag with a, either assist or a goal, and she did it again with a goal. Um, yeah, it could it could say it was a cross, but I'm going to say it was a chip. No, no bias there. But then the, the big controversial with the sending off. Um, for me, was the sending off unfortunately, even though it was a Chelsea player. Uh, Burger, she just was too late, and unfortunately, it was a sending off. Um, and then Bething England, unfortunately, on a 150th game, had to come off, but she took it gracefully, and that was a good thing to see. And then we just turned on the gas and grabbed it and we just decided that was it, no more playing games. And we and we we dominated in the second half. Kerr scored again with a great goal. Um and then the wonder goal by Jesse Fleming what was brilliant how she took that. And yeah, I'm just with I think it was really good performance. I think Emma Hayes again did the right thing at half time. She saw the danger, even though we made a substitution, we said, well, I've got to bring some experience on. Brought on Magna Eriksson and she brought on Pelena Harder and it just switched it for us big time and we we showed our strength and depth and we showed the quality we've got and it was a great result. It was a champion's result. It was a, it was a result, I think, even on the commentary, they were saying it was just a result that shows how good Chelsea is as a football club at the moment in the women's game. We don't give in, we don't give up, and no matter what throws our way, we will find that way to win. And it's, it was a brilliant result. Yeah, definitely. I think you covered most of it in terms of um, the key events. Obviously, I, I, I think it was a it was one of them games. It was a tough game, um, particularly with the sending off. But as you said, despite that, it. It, it really helped. We, we really pushed on um, and did, again, what you said champ, what champions do. Shame the men can't be like that. Um, <laughs> but at least we have the women's team that are just phenomenal at the moment. Um, so many players. I, I just, I can't I can't help but praise them all because they're fantastic, um, every one of them. Um, we will go into what the lineups were. Obviously, Chelsea did play a 3-5-2 um, with Anne Katrinberger in goal. The back three of Anik Nguyen, Millie Bryant and Jess Carter, uh, with the wing-backs being Neve Charles and Gura Wrighton. Um, the midfield three was a, a pairing of Ingle, G and Cuthbert. And then you had Bethany England and Sam Kerr up front. Substitutions that came on to Chira Muzovic obviously come on to replace Beth England for the sending off. Uh, Peniel Harder, Magda Eriksson came on, as well as Anderson and Fleming, who scored obviously the last goal. Um, Tottenham lined up in a 3-4-3. Formation with Corpella in goal, uh, a back three of Zadowski, Skanderbeck. I apologise for completely messing that up, but it's one of them ones that you're ultimately going to mess up. Uh, Bartrip completed the back three. Uh, a midfield four of Neville, Harrop as the wing backs, and Shaman and Cho, the actual good one, the one I actually rate. Um, funny enough, being a Tottenham player, but they they completed the midfield. With a front three of Naz, Simon and Williams up front with Jalili and 
Addison coming on as substitutes. Um, Wayne, what did you think of obviously the lineup? Three five two, no harder, no Ericsson, but still looked like a strong team, didn't it? It did. Uh, I'd be honest, I'm not a fan of the women's playing three five two. Um, I think it pass it the values are front line a bit, but I can see why she does to play that formation. And we've got the players that can cope when she wants to change it. Um, like I said, when they came, other players came on, they just slid it in. There's no rush, uh, rust at all. But no, I'm, I don't mind it in certain games. But I've, I don't. I'm not a fan of the women playing that formation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I kind of understand it in the way that. Obviously, with the amount of forward players we have in terms of, the, obviously, Kirby is currently away at the moment, but you'd normally have Kerr, Kirby harder. Then you've got Aaron Cuthbert. Then you've got Bureau Wrighton. You've got Lauren James. You've got Jesse Fleming. There's so much that, obviously, compared to what we normally play with the 4-4-2, it's easier to fit more the more the attacking players in in the 3-5-2 or the 3-4-3, three, three, depending on how it normally transitions between the two, like 2 equals 1 does. Um, but yeah, I, I do think it's possible. I think we're, at the beginning of the season, it didn't look, I didn't like it. I think I've grown on to it towards the end of the season. I think they've started to gel into it. I, feel, I still think that midfield needs a bit better balancing. Uh, I, I don't feel, we, the problem is I don't feel we have three midfielders to play that. But... Um, unless you bring Fleming into the midfield, but then I feel having a G and an Ingle together, it doesn't really work. Um, especially when you have, if, when Lawyer Poles was here, it was better because you do, then him, her and Ingle would work well as a defensive duo. Um, but yeah, we would need another defensive midfielder, which I'm sure we'll get into later in the pod, um, discussing some potential options that we could play there. But yeah, I, I, don't, I don't mind it too much. Um, I think it was a good, good lineup. Um, I was surprised because obviously, Muscovich has been starting a lot of the more games you'd expect to be first-choice goalkeeper playing, and then obviously Berger's now come back into it a little bit more. Um, so I think Emma's almost now looking at which one is my first choice. I don't think there is a definite first choice at the moment, which is fine because they're both good goalkeepers for different reasons. Um, but yeah, obviously we'll get into the sending off. Uh, I think she was a bit unlucky with that. Um, going obviously into the game obviously Chelsea didn't start the best and Tottenham did take a shot uh, shock lead 15 minutes into the game um, as Wayne said corner comes in uh, hits the crossbar um, then comes out hits Sophie Ingle and then bounces into the net um, Wayne I know you touched on a little bit of it um, before but do you think it was just unlucky goal um, or do you think there could be anyone to blame I know people were saying I'll oh, what ha- the how with burgers burger could have done a bit better um obviously i don't really blame ingle ingle's just in the wrong place at the wrong time but do you think there's any blame you could put on anyone or do you think it's just one of them goals i think it was just one of those goals i think the ball the corner was a good corner i'm not that it was a good ripping corner it was a bit blustery as well you could see the wind was blustering that day and it just literally when the ball played in you could see it curling Berger tried to get to it, just it, she just couldn't reach it, and it where it hit on the crossbar post, but it just literally fell unfortunately into 
Engel and she had no chance. But I couldn't blame anyone for that. It's not. It's you wouldn't blame anyone in a men's game if that happened. You'd say it was one of those fortunate goals. It, so why would do it in women's? It's not their fault. Um, it's just one of those things. And fortunately, Tottenham cut got got the goal for it and capitalised. Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't know whether the, some of the men's fans would be so sympathetic because you do get some people on Twitter that any any goal there's someone massively to blame. Um, but that is the men's game. Luckily, the women's game is a bit less reactionary in that in that point of view. I do agree with you. I think, I mean, you could you suppose Burger's Burger could have been done a bit better to come back up, um, and with the initial save. But that's just being very critical, and for me, from being a former go, goalkeeping coach to my brother, um, I suppose you would expect them to do a t- little bit better, but that is me being more picky than more than anything. I think it is just one of them goals. Um, but you could argue Tottenham did deserve almost a goal after the way we started that game. It wasn't the best start in the world. And obviously it kind of went from bad to uh, bad to worse eventually. Um, but there was a bit of positivity before because we managed to equalise only 10 minutes later. Um Another wonderful goal from Guru Wrighton. She seems to score a wonderful goal every week at the moment. Um, she get G passed the ball to her. She uh, cuts through one per, takes her on. And then, as I, I'm going to call it a cross shot, because you never know nowadays um, whether it is a cross or a shot, uh, and just glides into the top corner. Um, obviously, when you did touch on it, whether you think it's a chip or not, Normally, you'd say for these ones, oh, it's definitely a cross. But Guru Wrighton seems to do this all the time. So now you wonder, is she doing it on purpose? Wayne, do you think, do you th- do you think it was definitely a chip or do you think it was a cross? I, I truly think it was a chip. I think she, what she does, she's very clever, uh, Guru Wrighton. She sees that she's probably our, I wouldn't say she's the most creative player we've got in our side. I think that is G. But I think she's one of the top ones because she, what she sees is that Sam Kerr, Hilla Harder, Beth England, whoever's on that field, they make do run to the back of the post when she's got the ball. And when she's in that situation, you know, if she just chips the keeper and puts it in that position, even if it comes off the post or a defender's there or something's there, she knows that someone's going to run Chelsea players are going to be there to provide for the goal and if she chips it the right way it can go in for her as well so i think i personally think it was a chip and it was a going towards the goal was on purpose i don't think she mistakenly did that and it just fell in um at that moment like we touched on it at the moment she's doing it weekly that moment seems like every game she's probably the our dangerous player at the moment when it comes to creating opportunities She's, she is at the moment 100% one of our better players on the field. Yeah, I, I do think she's, I think she actually probably is my favourite player in the team um, right now. I think I love her technical ability. Um, I think she's an amazing player. She scores wonderful goals. Um, always has a smile on her face, which I, I, I do like that as well when you're on the pitch. Um, and she has almost. Being a more attacking player, she has, I think, worked very well into this wing-back 
position that she almost has been playing now, uh, and she, it's really coming to fruition um, for her, uh, especially the last six, seven weeks. Um, and that I, you would notice that's how where Chelsea have suddenly gone from getting through games comfortably, but <coughs> not as many goals. But now we're scoring left up from four, five, six, seven goals. It was when Wrighton was start really starting to turn on in that position, uh, which is fantastic. I, 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 I think she's a fantastic player. Um, I, I will definitely say she meant it. Uh, just being a Chelsea fan, obviously, you've got to say that. Um, but obviously, it did go from good to bad again. Obviously, um, Tottenham played a nice through ball. Um, there was questions to whether it was offside or not, which is, unfortunately, VAR is not in the women's game, so you can't go back to it like you would in the men's game. Um, Tottenham players through on goal. Um, Berger comes rushing out and takes her out. Um, although I do, I would make the point there were players like Bright who were almost coming back and almost in line with Williams. Um, referee decides after a bit of time thinking about it to send her off. Um, Wayne, do you think it was... There's a lot of debate going on about this sending off, uh, even now, days and days after. Um, do you think it was a sending off or do you think she was a bit unlucky? I think it was a sending off. Um, I think she... With Berg, she does take a lot of risks. She does come out for the ball a lot. when, um, So she knows this... She knows she's a bit late. Like, or she, she's been quite fortunate this season when she has done it, but this time she wasn't, and she was she was late. And they let her by the law. She's got to be sending off. Um, I think yeah, you got right about me. Bright was close to her, and uh, Jess Carter was the other one. But I think personally, I, I even know they was there. I'd. You can't deny the she literally got taken out and she was clear opportunity she was was taken away from from them. So unfortunately it was a sending off. I can't I'm not gonna sit here, even though I would love to defend Berger. I can't, not this one. <laughs> yeah, I mean I am actually gonna as a former referee, I'm I'm actually gonna defend her here. Um I do think, obviously, she's made the challenge. She is a bit like I, I don't think there's much she can do because I think if she doesn't make the challenge, Williams goes past her and it's 1-0, potentially. Um, but um, So she kind of has to make a sort of challenge and hope she gets something off the ball, which she didn't, obviously. I'm not denying that. Um, we won't go into whether it is offside or not. I did look and it did look a little bit off uh, when on the replay, but... Again, we can't get it can't be checked by VAR, so that's a different that's a whole different conversation. Um, but the only thing I would make the point so she does almost obviously to try and go round her, she's taking it quite far wide, which then obviously gives you it, it gives you the question: Is it so obvious that it's it's now outside the box, wide of the box? Um, and I did look and see. Well, Millie Bright is in line with her. We know Millie Bright will push anything to get there um i would just question the validity of what would would it have def would she have definitely scored from that shot um as an obvious goal scorer opportunity um had Berger not taken her out that's i think a bit more of a debate I, I think i can understand why you still would say it would but i could also understand why you wouldn't say it is um i would have given a 
it's a harsh one. I, 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 I cannot. It's almost one of them ones. As a referee, we'd call it an orange card. It's, it's not quite enough. Sometimes you wouldn't, def, for definite, say it's quite enough to be a red, but you would say it's a bit more than a yellow. So it's one of them ones that's in the grey area, which unfortunately football works in the grey area quite a lot. It's all subjective and, and that. So I think I can understand both sides, but I, I would have probably given her the benefit of the doubt, and that is taking blue tinted glasses off um but but yeah i can understand the reasons why she got sent off i think she was just a bit unlucky with that um in general um but yeah i can understand your point way um in the fact that it was a poor challenge obviously again i don't it's nothing she could do because obviously i think the fault comes from the the line of the defense anyway for allowing her to go through like that anyway um but it was good work in tottenham so we'll give tottenham a little bit of credit for that um but would you say the send it off um almost galvanized the team a little bit we almost seem to after that send it off almost spring into a new step didn't we yeah because i think when before the send off i think certain players they were still playing first game they was just wasn't playing the best football soon that send off happened it seems to, like you said, galvanise. You can see while they was looking after the player, you can see all the players who got together and they spoke to each other. Um, I think, and then we've obviously at half time as well, but they just they levelled up and they said, right, enough is enough. We're not going to start mucking about here. We've got to show our teeth and grit and get a result here. And they did, so... Yeah, I mean, I think, again, it's one of the things, it's the sign of champions to go from 10 men. I think Aaron Cuthbert said after the game, apart from the fact, obviously, possession, we we were, we had less of, because obviously, naturally, you um, with one less player, you will have less of the ball. But apart from that, I feel like we still dominated the match, which with 10 men, you, you, you wouldn't say that would happen. You'd naturally think that we wouldn't, but we, we did uh, dominate the match in the end, and I think it, again, it was that spur. The moment it was that almost that send off spurred us on to go win the game. Um, Chelsea did take the lead, obviously, through Sam Kerr and a uh, great cross from um, Anderson and a good header. Um, once again, Sam Kerr on the uh, score sheet. Um, what was wet, isn't it, Wayne? Mm, I just, it, it, I think I, I don't think it's a word that I can say anymore about her that will describe how good she is because I think I've used every single word in the dictionary. <laughs> uh, she's just a phenomenal athlete. She's the thing is what I, I I remember watching. I can hear the game against when she first came over and. I thought, is this the league that she's going to struggle with? Is she going to struggle coming over to the Premier League in the Women's League, Super League? But she's just, oh, it's just, I can't, I, don't, I really don't know the word to say about how good she is at the moment. We can't. Yeah, I mean, we'll go, we'll go into it a little bit more, obviously, in the conversation we talk about when she obviously wins player of the year beats Mia Dima to it obviously you know Chelsea players beating Arsenal players what's new 
Um, but yeah, I think it was a good goal, good simple goal, good cross by Anderson. I think I, I think Anderson's not had as much time as maybe she deserves uh, this season. Obviously, she is leaving at the end of the season, uh, going back to Sweden, which obviously we wish her luck for. Um, but I think it was a good cross from her. Um, solid as usual, Kerr, good head up, springs us into the game. And then obviously comes in the last minute, Jesse Fleming, the wonderful little Canadian. Um, Wayne, talk us through this wonderful goal. Well, obviously it was a play forward. Um, their defence, it came off their defence, pressurising, but I think it was hard at the same uh, pressurising them. And she just won onto the ball and they gave her space. And she said, right, well, give me space, I'm going to take it. And, and it bobbled up just right and she just laced it and it just went into the corner. Uh, what, 25 yards out? Oh, it was just, it, absolutely, it just shows what season she's having. She's been a brilliant season for her. And that goal just sums it all up for me. She's an absolute diamond of a player and we've been fortunate to get her at Chelsea. Yeah, I think it's one of those situations, I think it's a fantastic goal and Jessie Fleming has since, obviously, the Olympics especially, she's had a phenomenal season um, and she's still so young. We always talk about, oh, we've got Kirby, we've got Kerr, we've got Harder, they are almost the now and present of Chelsea, but with Fleming being as young as she is, she is the future um, and it's so bright to have her in the squad now doing these sort of things. Um, fantastic army. We, you always get the kind of typical male football fan. Oh, women, women, women's games, we don't, you don't see good goals. You don't see good football. Well, if you take a look at Gura Wrighton's goal, you look at Jesse Fleming's goal and then you look at uh, some of the goals that were scored in the second Tottenham game, we, 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 we've been treated to a lot of good goals. Um, I think it's, again, once again, a lazy point. Um, I'm glad Fleming um, is doing really well. I think she, I, I, when she first came in, I said she'd do quite well. Uh, obviously, it was kind of she was more under the radar, as most new signings under Emma normally do. That Emma normally eases them into it a little bit, um, apart from, obviously, Ab- Alsu Abdelina obviously had to come into it because of the COVID. Um, but everyone seems to get normally eased into it. Um, and then they come in and smash it, which I think is, again, great man management from a wonderful manager uh, in Emma Hayes. Um, Wayne, before we move on to, obviously, the second Tottenham game, who was your player of the match for the first game? For me, it was Neve Charles. I thought she did brilliantly, again, um, on that few work hall, she just was up and down like a yo-yo. Uh, I thought she had a brilliant game. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go slightly different. I'm gonna show my bias, and I'm gonna go the other wing back in Gura Wright. And I think that goal on its own is worthy of a man of match, the uh, player of the match um, nomination. I think again, like you said about Charles Wright, was always bombing up and down, um, and she always has that again that creativity. Obviously, you have G, who is the main creator in the team, but. Wrighton's really coming to her own. I think she was fantastic in this match and I think she fully deserves it. I think obviously you can mention you've got Erin Cuthbert as well, always work, a massive workhorse in that midfield, uh, always running about. You, She's always in contention. And again, Charles played really well, so I, I'll give her credit for that as well. But I, I would give it to Gura Wrighton personally. 
Um, obviously, that ends the first match. And then four days later, again, we're at Kings Meadow for Chelsea Tottenham. Again, um, obviously, we will go through the analytical uh, stats breakdown for you guys for this match. Obviously, Chelsea won 2-1 in, 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 in this game. Uh, should have been 3-1, but we will go through that um, in a minute. Um, obviously, Chelsea got had 56% possession compared to Tottenham's 44. Chelsea had 24 shots with nine on target compared to Tottenham's two shots with both on target. Chelsea made 423 passes with 78% accuracy compared to Tottenham's 235 with 66% accuracy. Chelsea won 51% of their duels compared to Tottenham's 49. Chelsea made 14 tackles, 10 clearances and 12 interceptions compared to Tottenham's 14 tackles, 19 clearances and one interception. Um, Wayne, obviously, the commentators did mention it before. Obviously, it's it's hard to play a team so close one after the other uh, and it's almost... You think with a manager, you normally have to you have to make changes for the sake of making changes because you want to keep the opponent guessing. But um, what did you think of Chelsea's performance, obviously playing such a big team one after the other and getting the result still? It again was a hard game. Um, I'll give it to you. Like I said, I think they've had a good season. They're looking as they haven't got a, like a big depth in squad, squad depth, but they, they show how hard work they are. Uh, good result. Um, proud of watching what we did. Um, like we will get into it. Uh, it died off in the second half, obviously, but it showed, I'm just, yeah, I'm just pleased with the, pleased with the performance and pleased how everything end up being a good result for us. Yeah, definitely. I think obviously it was a it was a very interesting game. I think it's hard to almost play I mean the way we did, we almost played them again so soon after. And if if anything we were more dominant in this game than we were last game, um, which was nice to see. Um obviously Chelsea did make some changes uh, to their team and a change of formation. They lined up in a four four two um with Zichira Muzovic in goal, obviously replacing the suspended Berger. Um, the back four was Anderson, Eriksson, Bright and Carter. Um, with Gura Wrighton and Harder on the wings and Cuthbert and Ingle in the middle. And then Bethany England and Sam Kerr up front. Two substitutions of Fleming and Charles came on for Chelsea. Whereas Tottenham did line up with the same 3-4-3. Uh, with Capella in goal again, Zardoski. Schneiderbeck and Bartrip in the back three. Uh, Harrop played at wing back with Ale coming in uh, instead of Neville this time. Um, Cho continued in midfield with Clemeron coming in midfield, which I think it was, I think someone said Shemenen, who came in in January, I think that's her first game she hasn't played since she came in, which was interesting. Uh, and then the front three was Simon, Ayane coming in for Naz, and then Williams up front again. Uh, Samanen and Addison did come on as substitutes. Um, Wayne, what did you think? Obviously, you mentioned um, you like the four at the back a bit better. What did you think of this lineup? Yeah, obviously it was forced. Uh, obviously, the Berg being sent off, um, so we had to change keeper. And fortunately, now and had to go back home. Uh, family emergency, and she obviously came back on the bench, but she didn't come on. But 
so we had to change the formation. I think it was the right thing. Um, <clears throat> I prefer it like this. I think I obviously I'm Anderson. I think she's a good player, but I'm not a massive fan of. But uh, Jessica, at the moment, I think she's made that right back her own. I think this season. I think she's been a very solid performer for us. Uh, probably one of the better players we've had this season. Um, I just think it's... And it looked more stability with uh, Bright and Ericsson in that middle where you can rely on always them two in that back always will give you... Giving them all... The, for me, the, the quintessential Chelsea through and through where they put their heads anywhere... They're both leaders and they're both brilliant as defenders. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, I did see a stat that I think Millie Bright hasn't been dropped for a single game this season, which is Im- immensely impressive. Um, seems, obviously, she is the most important player in the side um, by far. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think the lineup, I think it was a good lineup. I do like the 4-4-2 as well. I think we always did very well. And that's always been a formation we've liked to play. Um, um, it had The only time I can think of it got properly found out was against Barcelona. But obviously we know about how good Barcelona are as a women's team. Uh, no no denying that. Um, obviously going into the game, I remember the first chance we had was uh, Cuthbert really nearly scoring a good block, a good cross by Gura Wrighton into the box again. Her creativity, her class, doing it in such a wonderful way. Um, Tottenham blocked it. Uh, obviously, it was a very important block. But Bethany England uh, gives Chelsea the lead again. Fifteen minutes seems that both games have had both goal for both first goals have been fifteen minutes into the match, um, which is interesting. Um, I, I don't think that would happen not too often. But um, it was a good corner, short corner to Bright, and then Bright crosses it into the box. Bethany England gives uh, Chelsea the lead. Um, what did you think of that goal? Oh, it's a brilliant cross uh, by Wrighton, and it's just lovely. Uh, the header was just bullet. It's a bullet header went in, and she see her falling over after after it, and got I get picked back up. But she's no, I'm, I was really happy because obviously coming off that first game on the 150th appearance, and she had to come off because of the sending off. She came. She could easily just not been happy about it and kicked off and uh, and no, but she could easily not play this game and she ca- came on scored that goal and you can see it she, throughout the game she was she worked hard and it's it's good to see yeah i think bethany england's probably one of the most unlucky players in the entire planet um obviously after how good she was um in one of our other title winning seasons Obviously, then Sam Kerr and Peniel Harder comes in, who are, as we know, fantastic players. Peniel Harder, Ballon d'Or winner, Sam Kerr, multiple FFFWA Player of the Year, as we now know. Um, obviously, it's hard, and she's she's always out. We've said that we've got so many attackers and not enough spaces, and she's always been the one that has been, unfortunately, on the bench, um, which she doesn't deserve. She deserves to be in a starting lineup, whether it's at Chelsea or somewhere else. Um, but obviously she's had occasions where she started. I think she's been so unlucky where there's been injuries that have happened or suspensions. And obviously, again, Berger gets herself sent off, uh, which was, again, as we said, unlucky. And then obviously 
Bethany England is the person you unfortunately drag off. And um, what I liked was how um, okay you you do get players that would be very upset and just have a bit throw a bit of a strop going on the bench. But the way she was like, yeah, it's fine if it has to be me, it has to be me. I'm fine with it. I, I love that, and I think Bethany England. Her mentality is fantastic. I, I really praise it. And I, every time she gets the opportunity, she's taken them, and I think it's fantastic. And obviously, I know the whole Fran Kirby thing. Obviously, it's it's very devastating um, the way that's going through. Um, but I think obviously it gives that it gives England that one chance that, that chance to really come and try and get back into this team. Obviously, we know her and Sam Kerr have a fantastic partnership when they do play, and they always look to find each other, like Kirby and Kerr do. Um, so I think hopefully this will be now the time where England can really spur on, get some consistent game time, and hopefully that means she stays going into next season. Obviously with the uh, uncertainty of what happens with Kirby, unfortunately um, it has to come like that. But um, I guess England will take any opportunity she can to get in the side. Um, obviously it was a it was a dominant match by Chelsea, but we didn't we didn't take too many chances into that first half, uh, and then. 43 minutes in, Tottenham get a goal back um, very unexpectedly. Obviously, uh, Tottenham win a free kick. I do think, as much as you did um, praise Jess Carter in this game, I do think it was a very silly free kick for her to give away. Um, and obviously, I'm not going to blame her for the goal because it's you don't you never know it's going to happen. You you never knew that it was going to ha- happen like that. But obviously, that's where the free kick came from. Um, Ball was whipped into um, Harrop, and what a loop in header that was! Um, no chance for just just to uh, try and save that. Um, Wayne, what did you think of the Tottenham goal? Obviously, we've mentioned last game had a couple of good Chelsea goals, and this was a great Tottenham goal, wasn't it? It was a great Tottenham goal, but obviously, I agree with the free kick. It was C's give. But what I want to ask is who was marking her because. She was free as a whistle, and you can see that from a mile what was going to happen. It was a great header, a great finish, but it could it, we could have easily defended it better, and it just frustrated me that we took Guy off the ball for a straight minute, and, if, and we conceded. It was, we're fortunate we're not, we haven't done that many times this season, but this time we did. Yeah, it was it was one of the ones where obviously to context of the viewers i didn't i wasn't able to watch it on sunday nights uh, on thursday night so i actually just watched it a little over an hour ago and i was pausing it and looking back three or four times to see who's 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 there to mark her and i can honestly look and go i don't know who is supposed to be marking her because no one is anywhere near her um and i was like i looked and was like i'm trying to apportion someone to blame but i just don't know who was going to be marking her um, and that's a weird sentiment to make, but unfortunately that was the way it was. Obviously, Harrop, she gets the opportunity, credit to her. I don't like giving credit to Tottenham, but um, this Tottenham team, I actually, unlike the men's, I actually think it's a very good team, very rigid, very hard to beat, almost like two men's team. You don't, They don't concede too many goals. You have to work for goals, um, as, Chelsea, as we've seen with the Chelsea team, Chelsea women's team in the matches. Um, but when they do get their opportunities, they take their opportunities, as they've seen against Arsenal when they beat Arsenal early in the season. Um, and yeah, it was a wonderful goal by Harrop um, to give Tottenham the equaliser. And obviously, you think 
at that point you think, oh no, is this going to be the banana skin that decides the title? Because they've been saying it over and over again. Obviously, Chelsea at Tottenham have to play both Arsenal and Chelsea. They've now obviously played us both times. They've still got to play Arsenal. So they could literally decide the title uh, for which rival they want them to win. Um, but Chelsea, again, as champions do, we, we, we got out of the first match and we got out of this one again instantly returning the lead just before half-time. Um, what I will say is a fantastic half-turn by Peniel Harder. It's just Peniel Harder being Peniel Harder. Crosses it into Sam Kerr and obviously Sam Kerr being Sam Kerr scores a goal. Um, Wayne, what can you tell me about this goal? Um, i tell you what, we were saying about our good goals was all through these two games. And for me, that was the best goal of them all. Just because of just the pure movement of Penelope Harder shows why she's the most expensive woman in this football in the football league. Uh, and then Sam Kerr does what she does best. She gets in their positions and she takes the opportunity like it isn't easy as anything, but it wasn't. And yeah, I'll just that goal per purring. I thought I could say purring. It was just, <laughs> You're doing, a, you're doing an Emma Hayes. Oh, yeah, I'm doing an Emma Hayes because that was just beautiful. It, I felt like I was watching magic right in front of me. Yeah, I mean, if you guys, any of you guys that aren't, uh, you don't tune into the women's that often and you do want to look at some games where you see some good goals, check these goals out and these games out because that's fantastic and it will get you into women's football, uh, which is the aim of this podcast at the end of the day. So make sure you tune in and watch some of these goals because they're fantastic. I mean, Peniel Harder, I still think she's one of the best players on the planet, full stop. Um, I know in terms of goals and assists, she hasn't had as many this season. Uh, and I think it's unfortunately when you've got players like Sam Kerr and Kirby up front and you're caught more, Harder plays more as a, midf- a bit more of a midfield or wider player. Um, obviously, she can't get so many of the goals because they're on the end of it all the time. But... I think technically she's probably one of the, if not the best player on the planet. Um, and I'm so I'm so glad that we can see the silkiness of Harder every single game. Uh, the day that she leaves, I hope she retires at Chelsea because I don't want her to leave. Um, and if someone does want to buy her, they definitely have to beat that record amount of money um, by far. Uh, maybe double it, triple it, whatever you want with it. Um, but she's not leaving this football club because she's fantastic. Um Obviously, Chelsea could have made it 3-1. Kerr gets a lovely goal. Um, But was it... It looked like it was... It was given offside, but it looked like it was well on. Um, Wayne, do you think Sam Kerr was unlucky not to have another goal? Yeah, I was. uh, I think it was a goal. But fortunately, like we said more than once in in this podcast, VAR, unfortunately, he's not in the women's game right now. I should be. Um, yeah, if, if it's just one of those things, unfortunately. But saying that, how many times we probably can sit here and say Sam Coe's offside by just meter and she, and she scored. So it, when it's, we get taken away from us, we've got to, you know what I mean? We've got to accept it, unfortunately, and that's what we had to do this game. Yeah, I mean, Obviously, in context of people that are listening, the women's game obviously doesn't have VAR. It doesn't have... I don't know whether it, ha- it doesn't have goal line technology either, does it? No. 
You know, there's no goal line technology. I mean, even the referees, the referees are not full-time refs, um, which I, do, I think do, does need to change. It kind of shows that the FA, as much as they talk about it, they don't put enough money into uh, the women's game. Um, you can see that with the FA Cup prize money, which is absolutely embarrassing, some of the money that teams get um, for winning or losing. Um, which unfortunately it is what it is. Hopefully there are campaigns out there to try and improve that, but hopefully that will as the game gets better. But um, yeah, I do think it needs to improve. Uh, I do think VAR needs to come in. Obviously we we do criticise it in the men's game, but if it's used properly, VAR is a good good tool to use. Um, but unfortunately, the goal was I think well offside. Uh, well on sorry, not well offside. Well onside. Um, it was a poor decision by the linesman, but. It is what it is. Um, obviously, it didn't make it 3-1, which would have mirrored the other game. But um, that was kind of it. I mean, Chelsea in the second half, we almost it was a game where we 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 seed it out. We didn't take too many risks, just dominated the ball, dominated the game and didn't allow Spurs to have really any other chances. As I said, they only had two shots in the whole game. One of them was a goal. Um, so I, I think it was and the other. I think it was a really good save by Zizicira uh, coming in again, playing really well. Um, for this match, who would you say is your player of the match for the second game? Oh. See, it's hard because I was I would say hard up just for that skill, but overall, Cuthbert, I think she had a good game. Yeah, I think because I think Chelsea TV, I think they gave it to Cuthbert. Um, Sky Sports gave it to Kerr. I was. I also was looking. I'd give. I. I, I want. I, I want to give it. I, I was going to give it to Sam Kerr just because she didn't get a other goal. Um, I think she did have an overall great performance. Um, should have had another really, but she um, was again offside for that. And that one finally she was offside for. Um, but yeah, it was a great game. Again, this problem is with Chelsea. Like, with, with the men's team, you find you're struggling to give a man a match because they're all crap. But with the women's team, you find there's so many players that have played well, it seems hard to give a player the match for just one person when there's multiple players that really deserve it, as we've said. Mm. Um, but it is what it is. Um, well, obviously, we can't give multiple players in the match, otherwise it kind of degrades the idea of it. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, fan- it's, it's fantastic to get these results and really look on to hopefully win the league. Do you think we'll get it over the line and win the league again? Or do you think Arsenal might... Go on to win it. Well, obviously, you, you probably know this better than me. Uh, looking at the table, I think they've got a game in hand, if I'm right. Um, and it, is it four points? Gap? Yes, so it's four. We, we've got a four point lead of a game in hand. I think the remaining games for us, it's Birmingham tomorrow. Oh, well, as the, at the time of recording, will be tomorrow. We might have already played play them by the time some of you guys are listening to this um and then we have manchester united at home on the final game which is going to be a very nerve-wracking game um even if it is the man united team that's only been formed for three or four years um but and then arsenal i think they've got aston villa at home i think they've got tottenham i don't know if it's away at home i think it might be away so tottenham away is a big game for them and then they have I don't know who their last game is, actually. I can't remember. I know it's at um, West Ham. They've got West Ham away. Um, so both of us have got fairly 
tough tyres going into the last couple of games. So out of that, Wayne, if I was to put you on the spot now, is it Chelsea or is it Arsenal who are the WSL champions? I'm going to say Chelsea, uh, pure on form and confidence. Um, And if we do win it this year, that we will probably go into soon, I'd be even more happy with the controversy that's come our way. Yeah, I mean, I do. I, I would. I would argue. I would say that there is going to be a number of twists and turns before the end of the season. I don't think it's going to be so simple as Chelsea dominate all three, all both games, and Arsenal dominate but all games. Then it just ends at this one point. I think there are going to be parts times in the game where it's going to chop and change. And again, these teams are going to have to show who's the champions and who's not. Um, I do think Chelsea will still come away with it. Um, I do think it will be a Man, that Man United game, which will be the real pre- pressure cooker. I think Birmingham, I don't want to be arrogant, but fingers crossed that's all OK. I think that they are relegated already, so there, there is not much for them to play for. Um, but hopefully we can get the result and win the league. Um, obviously, some topics out, out specifically away from the game. Um, obviously, we talk. I want to talk about the atmosphere at Kings Meadow. Obviously, again, once again on Sky Sports and Emma Hayes and Aaron Cuthbert as well, when they're interviews praising the uh, atmosphere at Kings Meadow. And it, obviously, the second half, I think, as you mentioned, it did die down a little bit. But I think as we just controlled the game, there wasn't really much happening. It's natural that the crowd dies down. But it's a really good atmosphere, especially when it's at Kings Meadow. And even away at the Hive, all you could hear was the Chelsea fans. Um, would you argue the atmosphere, obviously, that is different numbers of people, but would you say the atmosphere at Kings Meadow is better than the bridge? I think it is, but not for the good reasons. I think the reason why I think it is, is because it's the, you've got kids, you've got family, and they're all like they're all looking forward to it. And, they're all, and you can feel the energy, you can feel the passion, you can feel... About the football in, and but when you're at the Stanford Bridge with the men's, it doesn't feel like that. It just feels like it's trying to get one over on the other team. Not, it's not about the football and passion. Do you mean? But um, I think I've, I always think King Meadow was a great stadium. Anyway, I, I, I thought it's much better than when he was playing at other other venues. Um, even though I wouldn't mind it coming back at Stangetown, but that's a personal preference. Um, but uh, but no, it's um, I'm I'm just well, I just think it's a brilliant atmosphere, brilliant stadium, and a brilliant area as well for the football because it's a um, where it, it's being played at as well. It's good for the for the fans to get to and stuff like that. So it's a good, it's a all good all round place. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I still haven't made my way down there yet. Um, I, it is on the list. It's just, I've got, it's very busy to, to get down there, but one day I will get down there, uh, and experience it myself. But yeah, I think it's just, you have that almost, I don't want to say that small team atmosphere that you do it lower league clubs but it is that it is obviously in a smaller stadium you have that lower league feel you do you see a lot of 
incidents where players are very much they're always coming to the fans after the game really having chats with them taking pictures autographs etc um even emma coming over i think there's been quite a few times where some of the uh uh went to mo king's meadow people that go over um they go she goes over and gives them chocolate and all that and there is a, a real bond with the fans whereas you don't really get that in a premier league club um you obviously have all the the flags that go around the stadium of all their nationalities um which i think is a really nice touch um to see you don't really get that so much at any of the other women's uh stadiums um but yeah i think Chelsea always Kings Meadow is always by far the best atmosphere uh, and I, 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 I'd, I'd, I'd like them to stay though I know people say oh it's nice to play at the bridge occasionally um, but I feel like obviously unfortunately at the moment you can't feel the bridge um, and it does make the atmosphere come a bit flat but I really love the idea at Kings Meadow uh, I think that is Chelsea women's home and I think it should stay like that apart from maybe the odd big game if you really want to pull it in Stamford Bridge. I know teams like Juventus, I think when we played Juventus earlier in the season, Juventus did really well, um, filling their most of the, most of their stadium. Um I think that I, I do remember I think it was that they had free tickets, that's why. But it still gave a good atmosphere and maybe that could be an option, um, potentially in a, a, an occasional game at Stamford Bridge. Um but I do love Kings Meadow and I'll hopefully be able to come down there soon and experience the atmosphere for myself um moving on to a little bit of sad news obviously for Chelsea in general there's been a few players announcing that they're leaving um and there's been some anger and some sadness uh in within the likes of Rudiger Christensen etc um but for the women's there's obviously another player that has uh decided to move on um G who has been at Chelsea for eight years now. Um, I think she it was I think last game that was her two hundredth game, um, and now she's decided she's announced that she will be leaving the club emotionally. Announced I may I I I struggled to go through that video um, without without shedding a tear. If I'm honest, um, but she will be going back to South Korea um, to finish her career. Um, Wayne, um, obviously it's sad news um, and it leaves a big hole in Chelsea Football Club, not just in the playing aspect, but in the um, personal aspect. Um, what do you make of G just generally as a player and her and the reaction to her leaving? Uh, first of all, get into it, I want to say thank you to her for all she's done for the club because she's won enough every trophy that she could have won for Chelsea except for probably the European, but she's a, like we've said in this in this podcast already, she's really creative, she's imaginative, um, and the goal she scores against Arsenal, that's her last goal, it is a goal that well suited for her to go, to go be sent off by. She's a, but it's, forgetting about the football bit of it, a personality. If you watch videos when she's training and when she's with the with the gang, and just to she takes the Mickey out of everyone, and so she, she her smile is infectious, and she just as she's got such a good bond with everyone, it's, with her experience as well. It's just it is a mass massive miss. I think 
out of with her and obviously with uh, Kirby, what's happened with Kirby, I think them two, them two are going to hit us hard next season. If unfortunately, I hopefully touch with Kirby's be back with us, but them two are massive misses otherwise. Yeah, I mean, losing, obviously, I don't know when Lawyer Poles will come back. I assume it won't be ne- any any point next season. Um, but, yeah, I think we've got a few big misses um, that are happening. I think it's it, it's so sad to see her leave the club. Um, you wouldn't, obviously, it, with her age and she's slowly, even though she is in most games, she is slowly on the way out in terms of not always playing every game. Um, and it probably is the right time to go after winning everything that she's won. Obviously, the the Champions League, unfortunately, didn't come for her, and that's heartbreaking. Um, but she has won it, everything else, possibly at Chelsea, multiple times. Um, and she almost has been there since the start, since Emma come in, the whole Emma revolution. G has been one of the only players apart from, I think, Drew Spence, that has been there the whole time. So she has really gone gone through it all, hasn't she, Wayne? Yeah, she hasn't. And you can see when we watched the interview, and if I'll tell you now, God, anyone who wants to understand the passion and what it means to a, a Chelsea football club, try and go on fifth stand and watch... Uh, interview which she gives and she says it once a blue always a blue and she always will be a blue um obviously hopefully we're going to admit who could replace them who could come in but i won't lie i don't think there'd be anyone who'd be able to come in who can replace her as as how good she was yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, anyone that does go and watch that, I, I recommend having a box of tissues next to you because uh, I think you'll certainly need it. Um, even with G, she she was she was struggling to compose herself um, for it, um, which which just speaks to the idea. Um, obviously, she, in terms of the idea of is she a Chelsea legend, you, you'd say of course she is. Uh, in terms of the women's game, she is. Uh, a complete legend. Uh, I just said one near enough everything in the game. Been near enough into obviously she has been at other clubs, but she has almost been that one club player. Um, and Chelsea is she does bleed. She, you if you if you if you cut her arm, blood comes out blue. She bleeds blue. Um, and it's it it's it's gonna be it's gonna be heartbreaking to see in what will be the final game. Hopefully she does play against United. Because um, I think it, it it for me it would be symbolic to her to score in that game and win Chelsea the league before she goes. Um, football does work in them romantic ways, so hopefully we do see that, um, and it will be a fantastic send off for her. Um, obviously, she does leave a big hole, um, especially with the creativity. So I think Emma's going to have to look at that, um, but I think it's like. It's almost like Kante in the first team. I don't think there's anyone that can replace G completely as one player. I think you're going to have to get multiple players in to get to, uh, to and bring in multiple parts of what G brings. I mean, I know a lot of people I, I speak to about the women's game um, and even some people that just 
occasionally watch the women's game at mainly the men's game and you ask who their favorite player is who's one of the first players that comes into their head is g um i know one of the one of um the other podcast podcast guests marv um his favorite player was always g uh, of how creative she was um so i mean it, it it, G is one of them fantastic players that everyone respects, everyone loves. I think even everyone in other teams knows how good G is. Um, one of my mates is an Arsenal fan, unfortunately for him. Um, but even he said when he heard the news, he, he straight away uh, messaged me and said, "Oh, that's a that's a big loss." Um, and yeah, I think it's it is it, it's heartbreaking, uh, most definitely. Um, Wayne, obviously, it's hard to talk about this kind of thing, but obviously. Now she ha- is leaving, and obviously Leopold's is um, on maternity leave. There, there's going to be a, there's, there's a big hole in that midfield. Um, is there anyone you can pick? Pick. It doesn't necessarily have to be linked to us. Um, but is there, is there anyone in the WSL or in some of the other leagues that you could look at and go, yeah, she's a guy. She's a girl that can come in and replace G. There's two names that I've been thinking about, and if these two come in, I'll be over the moon. Um one would be Kim Mewers. Um I think she could not just because obviously with her and Samka I'll I'll call sleep they're together uh, as a quite uh, couple. But she's a Wigan midfielder. Um she's as well she's got some experience in her Obviously, being an American as well, coming in, I think that would be good for the for the team as well. Um, and the other name is I'm going to I might surprise you is uh, George Stanway. I would love to see her at Chelsea. I think she'll be a very good player. She's very versatile, so I think that'll suit Emma Hayes. I think she'll like that. She's still young, even though she's been playing for, like forever. She's still really young. Um, she's got so much potential on her, and I think she can fill that creative gap we, we need when G goes. Yeah, definitely. I think they're both good options. I think I've always been a bit worried a bit with some of the American players because I've always found the American players, when they've come over, they've almost been... Um, they've almost not really joined in well. They're not really suited in. You've seen um, Morgan's come over. You've seen a couple of other players come over, Toby and Heath specifically as well. And none of them have really shone the world alike compared to what they do in the international stage. So I'm always a bit con- a bit conscious of the American players, but I do think she's a very good player and she would be great coming in. Um, I do agree with your other options as well. I mean, for me, there's a couple of players that I would look at, some a bit more experienced, some in slightly different positions, but I think would suit the midfield. I think my first choice option would be Orbidoff from FC Wolfsburg. Obviously, we've seen how good she is against us, obviously knocking us out of the Champions League. And I think she's that really good defensive option um, that we need. Obviously, we have Sophie Ingall that's a good... Um, defensive player, but outside of that, I feel like you've got Leopold's more attacking, Gura Wrighton more attacking, Cuthbert more attacking. Um, we don't really have that. It's funny that 
two positions in both teams. The position we both need in both teams, men's and women's, is the defensive midfielder. Um, so I think Orbadoff could be a good option. I know we have been looking at um, other players, our owner, Battle. Uh, potentially she could be leaving Manchester United. So that's an option I think I'd, I'd like as well, potentially, uh, to come in. Um, in terms of another option, um, speaking about obviously Tottenham, uh, this would be again maybe an option that we'd look at as a future player, um, maybe not right now, but Cho, uh, I find she's a very good player. She was very good at Aston Villa uh, at the young age. She was starting off and being a leader for them. And then now she's gone to Tottenham. She's played well. Obviously, only being 20 years old, she's got a lot of developing to go in her career. Um, and I think if she did come in, it would be a option to grow into. But I think that should be an option Chelsea should always have a look at and see if she's available. Let's go get her. Um, otherwise, again, this would be a bit more of a dream option. Uh, and it would be, again, the, the more attacking position. But another player I'd love if she was ever available is Caroline Weir from Manchester City. I think she's a fantastic player. Um, and that would just that would just make that would just make us look phenomenal in our attacking sense. Um, but obviously, the only issue would be does that does that does that look at you look at Jesse Fleming and Caroline Weir and go there's too much in there. But um, I think Caroline Weir is a fantastic player, and as, as she just shown in in the game against Brighton, uh, she's a fantastic player. So I think there are midfield options to go and get. Um, whether Chelsea can sort it out in the summer or not is another question. I think we are quite desperate to do it. Uh, so hopefully all this owner stuff that we won't mention because it's getting on our nerves. Um, mm-hmm. We can we can hopefully that gets sorted and then we can make some transfers. But I'm sure Emma Hayes is already on work to have a look for who she wants, who she needs, uh, and they'll get it done. Um, obviously, one of the final things to go into um, would be the announcement that. Um, Sam Kerr has won FWA Player of the Year, beating uh, people like Vivian Miedema, who was, let's be honest, the only other real option uh, that was credible of potentially beating her. Um, Wayne, what do you think of that? Do you think it's the right decision for Sam Kerr to win it? Uh, And does that show how good of a player she is for Chelsea? It was the only option to win it. She was the only option to win it. She was... Oh, I was saying, uh, yeah, I've got no words I can say anymore about her. She's so good. She just, everything about her. She's not just the goals, it's the teamwork, it's the pressing. What no one realises, if you look at her, if she loses a ball, she's always running after it and she's always defending. She's always there. If you're looking for corners, she's always in that box defending corners. She's an awesome, awesome player. And Personally, I wish we could have an immense team. Definitely. I think if we had a Sam Kerr in the men's team or Penilla Harder or even a Jesse Fleming or, in fact, just any of the attackers, the men's team wouldn't be in the problems that they are now. Um, but, unfortunately, that can't happen. Um, but, yeah, Sam Kerr is a fantastic player. I mean, the... I think she's got 22 goal contributions this season, uh, which is phenomenal. Uh, I think she's I think she's about six or seven ahead of Miedemar, who Arsenal fans go on like she's the best thing since sliced bread. Uh, she's a good player, don't get me wrong. And I think actually she might. there's rumours she might be moving on this summer. So if she does, 
I will be laughing all the way at Arsenal fans. Uh, because once they lose Miedemar, they're back down to where they were before. And they're just Man City and Chelsea fighting again uh, for the title. Um, but yeah, Sam Kerr is fantastic. And that Sam Kerr, the, the, the idea, the conversation about Sam Kerr transitions us into the final point of the game, of this podcast. Uh, and it comes in a point of a bit of negative. Me and Wayne are going to moan about this, I can tell. Because uh, I think Wayne is fuming when he heard this. Uh, it's regarding the arrogant idiots. That's what I'm going to call him, Jonas Eidevel. Because I don't, I don't want to be too. I want to keep it PG for at least a t- little bit more before we go into a swearing rant. Um, he had obviously his press conference uh, for the game the weekend, and he got asked about Chelsea's fixtures and the rearranged fixtures. And his, I'll read out the quote for you guys. He said, "I think for me, I didn't focus on Chelsea when they were rearranging all their fixtures in January." So Sam Kerr didn't miss any games because of the Asia Cup. I don't focus on them now either. I just focus on Arsenal getting as many points as possible. Then we'll see where the table leads us. Um, Obviously, that is um, in relation to the Tottenham game that we just played and the Everton game being pushed back, uh, which was requested by Chelsea due to a mixture of COVID and injuries, which obviously Sam Kerr was one of the people also missing because of the Asia Cup. I'd, I'd like to say G was also missing as well, but she did, that Jonas Eidevel in his arrogant way doesn't mention G at all, just mentions Sam Kerr. Um, obviously, Wayne, Jonas Eidevel, since he came into the club uh, at Arsenal, he seems to have something against Chelsea and has always been in this very arrogant way. Um, but what do you think of these latest comments? It just shows his um, jealousy of uh, the fact that we have been able to do something what they can't. And he, I think he's, the thing is with him, that first game of the season, he decided to celebrate it in his fashion of it's a cup final. So in turn, Emma Hayes says, all right. I will purr on you and just make sure the rest of this games this season, you've got no chance in hell. And like we said, they've had no chance in hell. And it looks like we can win the league and take them over when they could easily have beaten us to the league if they decide, if they, but he decided to play this game with Emma Hayes and it's the biggest mistake he could ever do. Because Emma Hayes is the best coach, manager, football brain. You can. I'm, I'm just furious over his lack of common sense. No, sometimes you would think other managers could easily say them things, but they don't. And Gareth Taylor could easily could say that about Chelsea. Didn't. Yeah, I think he's. It's I I don't know what I don't know what's up with him because he's he does have that arrogant tone and as I said to you I said to you just before we started if he was a Jose Mourinho type manager who's won multiple Champions Leagues he's won multiple leagues even if, even if you say if it was Emma Hayes doing it you'd still obviously you'd still kind of be like all right Emma you're being a bit of a idiot there. Uh, obviously, she's not. I'm just saying in that case, if she did do that. Um, but 
you'd go, well, she's got the credit in the bank and more to say and say it and back it up. But to come in on your first game in a WSL season, win one game, which you probably arguably, if referee decisions went our way, you shouldn't have won that anyway. And we were missing multiple big players. Um, to do what you did and then now to say stuff like this, like technically if if, if Chelsea were going to go in this in a legal way, he could get done for slander because you can't say sort of stuff like that. You're accusing, you're, you're, you're almost accusing Chelsea and bringing the game into disrepute by saying that they're looking to call off matches because a particular player is missing. That is not how it's gone. And it's, Arsenal fans and Arsenal managers shouldn't be throwing stones in glass houses because we remember the the game against Liverpool, the Carabao Cup, where they were missing these players and suddenly they were able to call it off, but then they were suddenly fine. Um, so they've been involved in games like that. In the, obviously, it's in the men's game, not the women's game, but it's still one club. Um, so that they've had their when their own when their own club has had for fortunes of this going their way as well I think it's just disgraceful the way he's going on about it and it just makes him look like a sore loser um, it's almost like he's been trying to play the mind games and he's losing to his own mind games uh, mm-hmm. but that kind of sums up Arsenal losing just losing to themselves and I make the point if, if Chelsea do win the league and he go because I can, I can already hear it Arsenal fans will be going oh but look at this you, Sam Kerr, you was allowed to not play any games while Sam Kerr was in, and that made the difference. No, the difference between us winning the league and us not was you losing to bottom of the table, Birmingham, a team that couldn't w- win a game for love more money. We talk about Chelsea men being charity FC, but that was the ultimate charity giving Birmingham City women a win like that. That is the fault. That is where you lost the league, not because That's- Sam Kerr did or did not play a game. And let's let's be honest, Arsenal fans right out there, all respect to you, but let's be honest, look at your forward lineup with Miedemar. You got um what's her name? Uh, Nicky Paris, Toby Heath, Callum Boyd, F Mead, um I can't say the other one because it's a long name. <laughs> um they just bought her and she's a quite a striker. Then you've got attackers like Johnny Nobbs, you've got Tim Little, you've got players who keep going on or attacking-wise or quality players. And you you still didn't beat Birmingham and you still are not up there as the top scorers. We are, and yes, we've got good players, but we don't rely on Sam Kerr. We don't rely on Panilla Harder. We've got Beth England. We've got Jesse Fleming, we've got Ern Cuthbert, we've got Gary Whiten. They're all linking and doing things together. Not You, you can't say that about your forward line because Nicky Parrish, Toby Heath, what have they done this season? I mean, Toby Heath has been released now because it's not good enough. So, it's, it's, uh, I think sometimes you got to, before you talk, walk the walk. And he hasn't walked the walk yet. That, that was his biggest mistake. As soon as he did that at the start of the season, I know I was a bit annoyed that we lost the game and we were having a bit of a poor run at the start. And that's what I'd argue. We were having a poor run at the start and they've still not been able to win it. 
So if they can if they can be if they can capitalise on us having a poor time at the beginning of the season, how are they going to do it any other season? When we're next season, we should be smashing it. We'll be smashing it again all the way through the season. Because let's be honest, this Chelsea team ain't coming down anytime soon. All of these players are in their primes, realistically. Um, I don't think there is really many teams that can challenge us at all. Um, obviously, you have got good. You got the Man City team that are a good team, and obviously they had major in. They had major injury issues at the beginning of the season, which made them so far behind that they couldn't come back, which is fair enough. Uh, and I think they will be. I think they're going to be our main challengers next year, not Arsenal. They'll, they'll be. They'll, they'll drop. Um, I think it'll be Man City and I think it'll be Man United next season that's going to challenge us. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not a big fan of, I don't know, I'm not, a big, I'm not too big a fan of Man United. Uh, they need to make some good signings, some more good signings. And I think, I don't, I'm not a big fan of their manager, if I'm honest, um, the way they play. Um, but yeah, that's one, and that's what I'm saying. Arsenal, I don't think they're going to carry this on. And if they lose Miedema, oh, we're going to get right into you for that. Um, but that we will we'll stop. We'll stop bullying Arsenal fans now because otherwise we'll get we'll get we'll get reported um, uh, too much bullying because they're getting absolutely roasted on here. Um, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see who's on who's on top at the end of the season, and then we can come at Jonas Idavell, um potentially when he's got nothing to put because they haven't won anything. All, all this talk and they've won nothing, and they might not even win anything uh, yet. Chelsea will come with. One FA Cup, potentially two, in the single season, which will be the first time that's ever happened, and they'll come with a WSL. Um, so, yeah, you understand well. You can stick that. You can stick that on your little notes and your little cards that you fling out all the bloody time, idiot. But we'll, we'll leave it there because we don't, I don't want to get too angry. I don't want. I don't want Wayne to get too too fuming uh, behind the computer there. Um, well, that is the end to another wonderful pod, um, another wonderful women's show. Uh, we will be back, um, hopefully, for either the Birmingham game or we might stretch it and uh, review both the Man United and the Birmingham game together at the end of the season when hopefully we'll know who wins the league. Um, Wayne, I'd like to thank you for coming on. Thank you for letting me on. I hope you're good as well. And please stay tuned for future content because I think I might be here for the future so be up for it and let's go yes we'll certainly be having Wayne on as a regular um, co-host guest on the women's shows at least and some of the men's podcasts as well so make sure you stay tuned Um, make sure you as usual like and subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and all the other uh, podcast platforms that you can find us on Uh, make sure you subscribe uh, Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WWC Pod Articles. And finally, make sure you join our Discord chat. We've been getting a few new members today and it's really starting to look like a good little chat. So make sure you join that so you can talk all things Chelsea men, Chelsea women, including voice chat debates that we will look to organise for you guys, as well as putting in your listener questions, which we will we will start answering in the next few podcasts so you, we can all be a good community together. So this is Matt and this.